You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. We're no longer affected by those many voices that there are in the world telling us, this is where it's at, that's where it's at. This is where you're going to find fulfillment and satisfaction. Now we're thinking straight. God is communicating to us, which then in turn affects our whole body. Because now we're making good, wise decisions that bring about good physical and spiritual health and comfort. The wisdom of the world appeals to our hearts in their natural sinful state. When we hear advice like, follow your heart or be yourself, we connect with it because that's what our hearts desire. But that philosophy of life ignores the fact that our hearts are born with sin built in. We're selfish and wicked by nature. As Pastor Mike leads us through a study on the sixth day of creation in today's message, He'll remind us that the God who made all of this from nothing wants to remake us into His image. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Sixth Day. love, worship, responsibility, and all of what God has created. Think about this. It is in the Spirit alone where God communes with us. In fact, there's a cross-reference for this in Romans chapter 8, in verse 16, we're told that it's His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, you see. And it's only through the Spirit where God communicates to mankind, where we are aware of God as we should be. Think about it. God to us, as believers who are born again of the Spirit of God, God is not some kind of an abstract concept, some kind of an idea, not a part of our theology, something that we read out of a textbook, right? But it's a reality. I mean, he's just as real to me as any other individual in my life's experience. My wife, my children, those that are my friends, those that are closest to me. God is a reality. He's not some concept. He's not some idea. He's not some dead theology. He's a reality in our lives, right? We know that he's here in this place this morning, don't we? And not just simply on the basis of what the Word tells us, where two or more are gathered together, There he is in the midst of us. 
We know that to be true because we know that God's word is true, but we know that he's here. There's no debate about it in our minds for those of us who are born, because God is that to us in our spirit. You see, we are God's unique and valued companions. Do you know that? Do you feel that way? Have you experienced that for yourself? Now, to support that comment that I've just made, that is that we are God's unique and valued companions, to support this, we only need to think of the Bible's teaching concerning Christ as the bridegroom and the church as his bride in many different places throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. Like, for example, in the book of Revelation in chapter 21, when uh, the angels with the bold judgments, you know, cry out and they're, and they're uh, exhorting us to come to see this new city of Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven, and those who are going to enter into it, and they are described for us in this way. The bride of Christ, the lamb's wife, the lamb's wife, the church, that's who we are, brought together to love, to experience intimacy, to share, to work alongside of one another. And so to support this, we need only to think of the Bible's teaching concerning Christ as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. Is there any more intimate kind of a relationship than that which exists between a husband and a wife? Now that brings us to our third point, and that is marred by sin. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Marred by sin. Now this picture that I've just painted for you, considering man as God made him and intended him to be, you know, just God wanted to bless him and pour out a blessing on, on top of blessing. All of what he created was for the benefit of mankind. This was all before the fall and the introduction of sin. You see, although we've been made in God's image, as we've already been talking about, with all of these wonderful capacities to know God, to know him, to experience him, to have fellowship and communion with him, unfortunately, that image has been marred by sin. And today, think about this. Man, for the most part, only shows minute glimpses of who God is. You see, man is a fallen being. And the effects of the fall are quite evident, body, soul, and spirit. Now, when God set up that whole test, if you will, if I could refer it to a test, I guess that's probably an accurate way to describe the forbidden tree. Remember, after God had created all of the physical universe, he only laid one restriction upon man. And there were many different trees with all kinds of different fruits and Remember, they were all bearing of the same kind. If they planted an apple tree, the seed would produce another apple tree. So it wasn't like there were, there was, you know, there were plenty of other trees in the garden. There was just one prohibition, one restriction that God gave to man. It was all yours to enjoy. Just go for it, right? It's yours for the taking, right? He says, but one restriction. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man didn't like that, you see. Because, you know, unfortunately, 
you know, man just doesn't like the idea of restrictions being placed upon him. What is it about human nature? When we understand those restrictions after knowing God, after knowing that God is good and he's always got our backs and whatever he's doing is for our good and for our, our blessing, you would think that we would learn by that and, you know, we would obey those things that he's restricted us from in being involved in. But no, one restriction, one stinking restriction, right? Wouldn't you know it? It's sort of like, you know, I always think about this. You know, you're walking down the street and you see a sign and it says wet paint. Inevitably, you got to go over there and you got to stick your finger on where that sign is, right, to see if it's still wet. What is it with mankind, right? I mean, it's so obvious. You know, you, if you do it, you're going to be hurt. You, you're going to experience damage. But it, I don't know what it is about mankind. But anyway, think of it as a test, if you will. The forbidden tree in the garden. If you think about it, it was to measure man's obedience towards the one who created him. In fact, let's jump ahead quickly to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm not going to get into this in great length and detail because we're going to save it for one of our future studies where we are going to get into it in great length and detail. And we're going to talk about the nature of mankind. And we're going to, we're going to give a bunch of different examples and illustrations as it relates to this. But notice in chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17, there you have the record of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. And listen, there was, there was lots of them. There was all kinds of trees. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. You will surely die. So the one restriction, the one warning. Now, Again, without giving you all of the details, we'll save that for a future study, Adam and Eve disobeyed. They failed. They rebelled. And consequently, now follow along with me, and remember now, man as a trichotomy, made in the image of God, right? A trinity of man, body, soul, and spirit. Now hold on to that thought, okay? Think about this now. They disobeyed. They failed. They rebelled, and consequently, man's spirit, that part of him that had communion with God, died instantly. God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. But he didn't die physically. So what, what, what are we talking about here? He died spiritually. They ran, at that point, they ran from God. When God came into the garden, you know, to check these guys out, Adam and Eve, what did you do? What happened? What did they do? They ran away from God. They hid themselves from God. How strange from God's original plan that man would hide from them. That was never God's intention. That was never God's plan. You know, how many people today, think about this, none of you, of course, because that's why you're here, but how many people, you know, aren't in church? And if you think about it, they're running away from and hiding from God. And there's a variety of different ways that man goes about doing that. And I don't want to go into all of the, the different ways of going and doing that because we've all been there. We've all tried to escape God in one way or another. But praise God, he's the hound of heaven. And he found us, right? Man, aren't you glad, right? Never gave up on us. Praise the Lord for that. So anyway, they ran from God. 
They hid themselves from God in the garden. How strange from God's original plan. But it's the same even today. It's been the same ever since. Man seeking to run away from God. So then man's soul, his intellect, his feelings, his identity, and think about that. That was, that was the way that the first man and the first woman was created in their identity, right? To know God, to fellowship with God. But unfortunately, it began to die because of their disobedience. And thus, they lost the sense of who they were. Think about that. We were created, right? I mean, there was no question about it for the first man, the first woman. I want you to think about this. This is something that's so foreign to us. Maybe something that you've never even considered before. But in the original state, when God created the first man, the first woman, there, was no, there wasn't any kind of a doubt. We, we know that we were created to know you, God, to fellowship with you, God, to have communion with you, God, to serve you, God. There was no question about that until sin entered into the picture. There was something that they knew intuitively. It was a desire that was placed innately within their hearts, you see. But because of their disobedience, we've lost, man has lost their identity, you see. The sense of who they are. And thus, this gave way to bad feelings. And man suffered the decay of their intellect because of that. You say, how? Well, let me give you a cross-reference for this. In Romans chapter 1, in verses 21 through 23. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile or empty in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. How many people today are professing to be wise? But as the way that God sees them, they're nothing more than a bunch of fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Rather than worshiping the creator, they begin to worship creation, you see. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Oh, man. You know, Donald Gray Barnhouse, well, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite commentators, uh, anything that you can get your hands on, uh, written by Barnhouse, would certainly be a uh, worthwhile addition to your own personal libraries. But Barnhouse, in his commentary on the book of Genesis, uh, likened this unto a three-story house, body, soul, and spirit, the trichotomy of man, being made in the likeness of the Trinity, okay? He likened this unto a three-story house that was bombed during an airstrike. When the bomb fell, it took out the top floor entirely, the debris of which had fallen down into the second floor, severely damaging it, and then the weight of the two ruined floors produced cracks in the walls of the first floor, and eventually it was doomed to collapse. And that's the actual effect of sin that is had upon mankind in their trichotomy, the trichotomy of man, body, soul, and spirit. So it was with Adam. His body was the dwelling of the soul, and his spirit was above that. And when Adam fell, the spirit was entirely destroyed. The soul ruined, 
and the body destined to a final collapse. You see, that was the effect of sin upon the first man, the first woman. And it's been the same ever since. But praise the Lord, this brings us now to our fourth and our final point, and that is the glorious gospel. The glorious gospel. The gospel means good news. And boy, is it good news. Now, although this account describes man before the fall as he intended us to be, well, we know the horrible outcome. We know how this whole thing played out because of Adam's disobedience. But it is also a picture of what can be recaptured by sinning man through Jesus Christ. And the glory of the gospel is exactly about that. That's the message of the gospel. That which was lost through sin can be recaptured through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, when God saves a person in Christ, he saves the whole person. He begins with the Spirit, and we're born again of the Spirit of God. And thus now, once again, he can communicate together with God. Now, I want you to think about this. Before, you know, the Bible tells us that the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. And that's exactly the reason why we need to be born again. God can't communicate with you until you become alive in the Spirit and by the Spirit. That's the vehicle, that's the conduit through which God speaks to us, you see. And that's the reason why we have to be born again. So when God saves a person in Christ, he saves the whole person. And he begins, he has to begin with the Spirit. We're born again. And now he can communicate once again with us. Because guess what? He has our attention. He has our attention. You, you've come here to receive of the Lord. You've come to, you know, to communicate. To get, you know, at least I hope this is the reason why. I, I know that there are other reasons why people come, sometimes the wrong reason. But you've come here to receive of the Lord, right? You've, you've come here believing that God was going to speak to you. If for any other reason, I don't know why you'd have even gotten up out of bed this morning. I would have been doing something else. Or I might have been just sleeping in, right? If I didn't have any intentions of like coming and knowing that I was going to meet together today with God and God was going to speak to me, right? And this is something that we know. God communicates to us through the Spirit as we've already discussed. And so we've been made alive. And now God has got our attention. And this trickles down to our soul intellect. And now because of the fact that God is communicating to us through the study of the word here this morning, through our own personal study time at home or on a break at work or listening to a radio broadcast as you're traveling in your car, going from one place, one destination to another, right? God is speaking now to your soul intellect. And now, once again, we're thinking straight. Now we can make the right choices, the right decisions, right? God help us to do exactly that. And we're no longer affected by those many voices that there are in the world telling us, this is where it's at, that's where it's at. This is where you're going to find fulfillment and satisfaction. Now we're thinking straight. God is communicating to us which then, in turn, affects our whole body. Because now we're making good, wise decisions that bring about good physical and spiritual health and comfort. This is what we're talking about 
when we use those big words, you know, that you often hear me refer to as regeneration and sanctification, that's what that looks like. That's what I'm referring to. That's what that means. Folks, we're talking about a new creation here. Not patching up the old, you know, putting a new coat of paint, adding a few new things to what was. One of my favorite texts of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, old, O-L-D, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's who we are. Praise the Lord. So God creates. Remember in the, our first message, that word create? In the beginning, God created, right? The word created is the Hebrew word bara, B-A-R-A, and it means, and only God has the capacity to create something from nothing. Like, for example, a carpenter, he gets a piece of lumber, he cuts it, he shapes it, he molds it, he paints it, he, he stains it, he varnishes it, he nails it together, whatever, to make a piece of furniture with that raw piece of lumber. But he's had some materials to work with, the nails, the, the varnish, and the hammer, and whatever, the screwdriver. Only God has the capacity to be able to make something out of nothing. Praise the Lord. The burden lies upon him and not you. All you have to do is make yourself available to God, and he will make you that new man, that new woman. Praise the Lord. The burden doesn't rest with you. That's good news, folks. So God creates within you a new spirit, which is his own spirit within an individual. He creates a new soul known as the new man, the new woman. And at last, he creates a new body, like the resurrection body of our Lord, through whom we have salvation, that we will forever be in his presence with that new body. Man, I'm really looking forward to that day. When he gives us that new body, when we move into that new tent, that new tabernacle, when we stand before him, when we see him as he is, and we're changed into that same image from glory to glory, what a day that's going to be. Are you the man, the woman, created in the image of God? Do you know, without question, are you the man, the woman, created in the image of God. And are you reflecting that image? Important, significant questions that only you can answer, that only you can answer. Let's just yield ourselves up to God. Let him do the work that he so wants to do. Just make yourself available to God. But these are very important, significant questions that we've closed out this message with. Messages that we need to ask ourselves. So let's give our attention to these things. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my heart. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. 
God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, and he said that it is very good. Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what he does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.